Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Everybody and welcome to this La Liga Match Day 20 recap. This is the La Liga Lowdown podcast rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157, and I'm your host, Ewan McTeer. We'll be hearing from our correspondents around Spain as we cover this really exciting weekend of La Liga action. And first of all, we'll start with Barcelona-based Roman de Arcair to discuss new Barca coach Kiki Setien's first game in charge. Messi activa Griezmann, Griezmann a Martro, el tercero de Arturo, Messi ha rematado. There has been a change in the Barcelona dugout, but one thing that hasn't changed, and that's the fact that Leo Messi is still the one putting the ball in the back of the net. His strike to finish a lovely team move was the only goal of the game as Barcelona defeated Granada 1-0 on Sunday night. We've got Roman here now and Roman, tell us about the changes that Setien did make for this debut. Well, I think there are three things uh, worth pointing out in Kike Setien's debut as a Barcelona manager. First of all, um, the formation. It was a 4-3-3, something we've seen very often with Valverde, but it was actually a variable formation. What, because in attack, you would see that the team would switch into a 3-5-2 with um, Umtiti, Pique and, surprisingly, Sergi Roberto at the back, whereas Alba would join in towards the midfield or wide open to, to the left. The other thing I saw which um, changed in terms of Valverde is the possession and the passes. Way more control. And in this game, in Setien's first game as a Barca manager, the team already managed 921 passes, which is quite um, impressive. This means that Barca would defend better because they would have the ball, of course, more often. And Granada really struggled to create any opportunities because of this. And finally, the third uh, aspect I saw in Kike Setien's game was the um, high pressure. Uh, the, the players were really quickly trying to recover the ball um, in attack. As a matter of fact, the goal was because of that. Uh, they stole the ball up in attack uh, after a high pressure, and that really worked very well. And those were the three keys, I think, to Kike Setien's first little revolution. And what about Setien himself? How did he experience this game from the sidelines? 
He seemed quite calm from the sidelines, but you could kind of tell that he was a bit tense there, you know, because the team wasn't uh, scoring, it was struggling to find that goal, and and as minutes were going by, uh, the pressure was building up. And I was surprised he took so long to make his first sub, uh, bringing Enrique Puig until the 71st minute. But once he got that goal, uh, it was a clear relief for him. He he threw his arms into the air, he was very happy that happened, and and a lot of pressure was, was taken off his shoulders. And from there on, he was more relaxed we could say but uh, overall it was his debut in a big big team such as Barcelona so you can understand that it's always a very tense uh, a game for, for someone that's uh, debuting that way Sergio Busquets had a central role didn't he? He had plenty of confidence I thought in this one I definitely think Busquets was one of the best players of the game, uh, no doubt. I mean, most of the balls were going through his feet. I think he was dictating the tempo of this game, in my opinion. Uh, he was essential, honestly. And usually with uh, Valverde, we saw how he tended to go between the centre-backs to bring the ball out from the back. And he had maybe more of a defensive role. But in this case, he was more participative in attack, which is something we would see more with um, with Guardiola when he was managing Busquets. And I kind of felt that Similarity, and of course he was participating more offensively, helping the team to generate the occasions uh, from the midfield. And also, it has to be said, he was great when it came to uh, tackling and then recovering the ball and pressing high. And also a lot of confidence in terms of uh, the dummies he would uh, he would try and, and how he would hide the ball from the rival. So great game for Busquets, and you can tell he's got a lot of confidence from Kike Setien uh, going on forward. Lots of Barcelona fans were demanding more minutes for Ricky Puch and Setien delivered in his very first match by bringing him on as a sub. How did he do and do you think Kiki Setien will keep counting on Ricky Puch? There was a lot of talk about Ricky Puch, whether he was going to uh, get his minutes finally with Kike Setien uh, because Valverde obviously didn't count on him as much as lots of fans would have wanted and he finally got that opportunity and I think he did pretty well to be honest. Um, he was actually crucial in the goal because the recovery uh, he made up really high in the pitch allowed Barca to get that uh, much needed first goal and only goal of the game so credit to him for that. You could tell he wasn't risking too much, of course, you know, he he needs to build up his confidence, especially playing with the first team. But I mean, he had a really positive performance and if he keeps playing at this level, I'm sure he's going to get more minutes. And as a matter of fact, after the game, he spoke to the press and he told them that he is going to continue playing with Barca B, but if he plays well and if he trains well with Kike and and catches their eye, then he's going to get more minutes. And and he seemed very happy at the moment with Kike Setien and how things are going, so he'll surely get more opportunities along this season. What about Granada? They didn't really seem to have an answer to Barcelona's constant control. Yeah, it was a tough game for Granada because, I mean, Barcelona had the ball so much and they weren't really finding solutions or or being capable of of bringing the ball uh, forward without losing it because also Barca was pressing very high and very quickly. So it was very complicated for them. They weren't really uh, even managing any or barely any counterattacks and they struggled a lot. They looked nothing like uh, the Granada we saw back at their home stadium where they played really well and of course in front of your fans you have more confidence and the Camino is a very 
big and imposing uh, stadium so I can understand they're not going to provide the same performance also they had a really good run back then they were in better form now they're struggling a bit more so it, w- it was a tough game for them and it got even tougher when uh, Germán Sánchez got sent off that second yellow card being quite harsh in my opinion I think the referee didn't really need to go and take it that far because uh, it was a simple foul quite far away from the Granada's area so it was quite unnecessary in my opinion Thank you Roman. that win for Barcelona means that they stay top of the table joint top with Real Madrid both those sides are on 43 points after Real Madrid also won a home game against an Andalusian team by one goal they took on Sevilla at the Bernabeu on Saturday afternoon Sevilla had lost their past 12 matches at the Bernabeu and it's now 13 but it wasn't easy for Real Madrid Sevilla had a Luke de Jong goal quite controversially disallowed in the first half for a foul on Eder Militao, who was de Jong's marker in the build-up. Then in the second half, Casemiro scored twice and de Jong got another, although the goal that did stand for him could actually have been ruled out too for a handball in the build-up, so maybe the officiating controversy for Sevilla evened out. For Real Madrid, they were just glad to get this win considering they were missing a bunch of players like Sergio Ramos, Fede Valverde, Eden Hazard and Karim Benzema who couldn't start and who only came on in the second half. They're still joint top, they're still enjoying 2020. One team that is not enjoying 2020 though is Real Sofidad. The attacking football of the Basque side has dried up a little in recent weeks and they've started 2020 with a 2-1 home loss to Villarreal and then a 3-0 defeat away at Real Betis this weekend. Our Real Betis man David Whitworth was there and David, once again, Joaquin was great in this one, even scoring the second goal. How is he able to have so much success in this Betis system? Well, Joaquin continues to belie his age. It's amazing the season that he's having. He scored his seventh goal in 19 games recently against Real Sociedad. And I think the key to his success is the position he's playing now. He's not that winger anymore. Yes, he will be on the wing in some games, but Ruby's pushed him further forward and given him the freedom to connect more with the striker, be it Boche Iglesias or Loren. He's much more in the centre. He doesn't have to run as much. He just knows where the space is. Typical striker like Teddy Sheringham in his days. Didn't have a lot of pace, but just... Had a great footballing brain and that's exactly what Joaquin has. He knows where the the space is. He knows where he needs to be. He knows the runs. He knows he just has to be economical with the way he moves himself nowadays. And it's just a case of right place, right time. And the timing is now for him. Fantastic season he's having, but it's all to do with his positioning. So many teams have struggled against Real Sofidad's attack this season. Not only did Real Betis beat them, but they kept a clean sheet. How did they do that? I believe the key to keeping at bay Real Sociedad's attack was our solidity. I think the defence has improved a lot, especially uh, a player that's come through our ranks, Edgar, is one to watch out for. Um, Looking very, very confident and assured on the ball. Uh, Made his debut against Valencia uh, just before Christmas and fit right in. And just that assuredness and tranquility on the field is helping the whole team when he plays. And it's not just him. You can see the whole team are much more confident with the formation that uh, Ruby wants from them, from the style of play that he wants from them, from his attacking philosophy. The pennies finally dropped, I think, with this team. And although the results have not showed it, because Betis have only won once in four La Liga games, you can see that visibly the players know exactly where they need to be. 
they look more solid. They look like a team and it's finally coming to fruition. And I think those were the reasons, plus the fast start that we made, really gave Real Sociedad no chance. Hardly any chances in the whole game apart from Mikel Marino's fantastic halfway effort shot that nearly beat Joel Robles, who was a fantastic save from the goalkeeper to keep him uh, from scoring that amazing goal. We got to see Real Betis' January signings, Carlos Alenia and Guido Rodriguez in this one. How did they look? In terms of Elena, well, he made his home debut in the recent game against Real Sociedad. And you could see already he's going to bring a lot of quality to that middle of the part of the uh, of the field. Um, some nice passing play, nice quality, linking up play, very creative player. He's going to fit right in with what Ruby's trying to do with his attacking philosophy. In terms of Guido Rodriguez, he made a cameo appearance, 20 minutes to go, but you could see already his battled, hardened type of um, defensive midfielder qualities that we've been sorely missing. Uh, we've been playing William Carvalho there, but really he we should play him more an attacking threat. Um, so in terms of that position, that's been a position that we've been really needing. And the signing of Guido Rodriguez from Club America, um, I'm sure, is going to help us, again, get that stability, get that equilibrium between the defence and the attack. Thanks for that insight, David, from the Estadio Benito Via Marine. We've already discussed some of the tastiest fixtures we had this weekend, but we've got plenty more where that came from, as we had several shock results in La Liga. We'll dive into them after this short break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
Hello and welcome back to this match day recap as we look back on the 20th round of the 2019-20 La Liga season. It's a round that Valencia will be hoping to forget as they went away to struggle in Mallorca and lost 4-1. I was there on the island to see this one and so too was La Liga lowdown's Alex Fitzpatrick. After the match, which was played in a downpour that I wasn't quite expecting, Alex and I huddled under some cover outside the ground and discussed one of Real Mallorca's biggest results in a long time. The first time they scored three goals in the first half of a La Liga match since 2009. So I'm here outside Somos with Alex Fitzpatrick to talk about Real Mallorca's 4-1 win against Valencia. Valencia were really poor. They were second to every ball. They were sluggish. It almost looked like they didn't want to be there in the rain, in the early kickoff. What else was behind this win, though, for Real Mallorca? What did Real Mallorca do to really frustrate Valencia? I think the big thing tactically that Vicente Moreno did, and this is the first time this season that he's done it, is he went 4-4-2. Cucho Hernandez now available, fit, ready, and and has obviously been training with the club since November. Uh, He was up top with Ante Budimir, and that meant that Mallorca were compact in defence with those two banks of four, but also they could break forwards, spring forwards when they won the ball in midfield and uh, get the ball up to Ante Budimir, who wasn't isolated. We've seen him at times this season quite isolated, all up there by himself, and there was the ability for him to have some fantastic interplay with both Cucho Hernandez and with the, the wingers with that formation. And you talk about the fantastic interplay. There were some really nice moves from Mallorca, especially the third goal. How nice was that for Mallorca fans to see some nice, good attacking football and goals from open play? This is a team that can play football and I think for the vast majority of this season they've been quite limited due to the approach that they've they've had and obviously the step up in, in level and they've focused more on making sure that they're competitive, working hard, being compact and less so on some of the attractive football that they played last year. Today, they really, really played uh, to their strengths, which is winning the ball back quickly and then springing a quick counter-attack. And having the bodies forward around Ante Budimir to be able to do that makes all the difference. And it was reminiscent at times of things that we saw from them last season. Good interplay and then getting quick shots away, which ultimately is, is leading to goals. It was a bit reminiscent as well of some of the other games that we've had in the rain in Mallorca and they've done quite well under the rain. You can probably hear it in the background, the drops on top of the umbrella where we're recording outside the stadium. Why is it Real Mallorca, a team that has sun most days of the year, actually do really well when it starts raining at Sommosh? Yeah, earlier on in the season, Villarreal visited Sommosh and it was another day like today, uh, raining cats and dogs and uh, looking into the eyes of the Villarreal players as they were coming out. And it's a little bit the same with with Valencia, uh, stood in the tunnel waiting to warm up. They didn't fancy it. You could see that there were sideways glances looking at each other. But you know that this Real Mallorca team, they will play rain, they will play uh, in, in snow, they'll play in any conditions and they will always give the same level of effort um, and, and they will not allow that to affect them. The coaching staff will not allow that. Um, so I think that did slightly play to, uh, to to Real Mallorca's advantage. Also, the conditions I think in the first few minutes did affect both sides. There were there were a number of minor errors in the opening couple of minutes, and I think Mallorca 
adapted better to those conditions, got the head in front, uh, got the head in front, and, and got the early goals, and, and that really closed out the game. The Danny Parejo red card. I don't think it was a red card. It was very unfortunate, I think, for Danny Parejo. But at the same time, I don't really think it influenced the result too much. What were your thoughts on the red card? The referee set his stall out in the first half very early. Both Coquelin and Danny Parejo picked up yellow cards. And when both of your central midfielders are on yellow cards from very, very early in the game, that is always going to be dangerous. And I actually think that that is part of what helped Real Mallorca to take a hold of the game and grasp a little bit of control in that midfield. Mallorca turns 60-40s against into 50-50s and almost sometimes into 40-60-40s in their favour. They will always put their foot in and that meant that the two of them in the central midfield were running, uh, walking a tightrope to, to be able really to um, make the game without picking up a second yellow. They were fairly soft yellows but the referee decided to, to, to pull him up for them and I think it was a little bit naive of Parejo to, uh, to go in for that second challenge So that was my chat with Alex about a great day for Real Mallorca and a terrible one for Valencia fans like our own Paco Pollitt We're not going to put Paco through the pain of reflecting on that defeat today, instead I want to get his thoughts on fellow Valencia inside Levante and their 1-0 home loss to Alaves Paco, watching this one did you get a sense that this was a match between two teams who are still in the relegation battle? Um, unfortunately, yes, because of the sheer levels of fear and panic both teams had towards not picking up points, especially in the first half. But I have to say, the scoreboard was actually pretty unfair for Alaves because they kept piling up incredible chances to score in the last 30 minutes. Aitor was obviously great, but I think Alaves are struggling to score this season. And besides Lucas Perez, they don't really have a player that has that different flavor to spice up the offense. Regarding Levante, I have little to say. They had an awful game and fans left the stadium very, very angry with the display shown by their men. You mentioned that Levante goalkeeper Aitor Fernandez once again had to be very good. That's nothing new, is it? Yes, well, Aitor Fernandez was crucial towards not seeing a three or four goal difference at the end of the game. And in that sense, this isn't really news because he's been Levante's best player this season consistently right next to striker Roger Marti. But it actually speaks very well about the work Alaves put towards increasing their attacking presence. With 21 goals scored to date, they are the sixth worst team in the league in that stat. So I think they must keep going at it and working on it because it will eventually pay off. Alex Vidal scored the winning goal for Alaves, the only goal of the game, but he was in the news recently for some controversial comments about Asier Gary Tano. Can you explain this to us? Yes, it's a bit tricky, you know. Two weeks ago, after Alaves couldn't beat Real Betis, who were one man down, Alex Vidal criticized his coach with not much subtlety in the flash interview post-game. He literally said that when the opposition is down to 10 men, you must try to generate more chances and that doing that is very difficult when your subs are defensive players rather than offensive. That criticism didn't sit well with Asier Garitano or with Alaves fans, who 
heavily slammed Alex Vidal in the following days for such disrespect. However, you fast forward two weeks later, and after scoring the game winner against Levante, Vidal was much more confident when speaking after the match. He apologized publicly for what he said. He explained that he had already done it towards his coach and teammates earlier in private, and he stated that he was very happy after scoring his second goal in a row. So, case closed. Thanks, Paco. Let's go now to the Basque Country to talk to Dan Parry about the games that were taking place there this weekend. Firstly, Dan, let's talk about Athletic Club versus Celta Vigo. Rafinha put Celta Vigo ahead and then Raul Garcia equalised from the penalty spot to make it 1-1. And having watched this and seen how many chances were created, especially that one for Santimina, I want to know how there were only two goals in this game. I'm really not sure. There were so many chances in the game, but neither side were able to put any of their opportunities away. So yeah, mostly down to unbelievably sloppy finishing. But I think uh, Santi Mina wins the award for the worst the worst missed chance with, uh, with his one though. Which team is happier with the point? Or are they both disappointed? Because both teams probably feel they could have won it. I think that Celta Vigo would definitely be happy with the point. In my opinion, they came looking for a draw. Their game plan was to set out to frustrate Athletic and uh, and they were successful in doing that. Yeah, and the game really actually highlighted some flaws which we've been speaking about in terms of Athletic now for quite a while, especially in their attacking play. They're really lacking that clinical edge. And again, they couldn't score from a corner, even though today they had 13 corners and still didn't manage to score a goal. So you can probably tell by the tone in my voice that Athletic, we're not happy with the fact that we didn't manage to win. Yeah, I can tell. The other big game in the Basque Country this weekend was Eibar's win against Atletico Madrid. They started so well and had several early chances from set pieces before Esteban Burgos, Eibar's fifth choice centre-back, scored the opener. Eibar then held on and got a second in the final minute through Edu Exposito for the 2-0 win. How did they pull this off? Yeah, that was an absolutely massive result for Eibar and it takes them even further away from the relegation zone because it was looking uh, a bit sketchy for a while. And quite simply, they wanted the game more. They they were seemed more up for the fight than, than Atletico. Um, truth is, Ipado is a very difficult place to play. Uh, Eibar, this time of year, it's freezing cold. They were playing at night. Uh, Eibar are a team that likes to get in your face. They press up high. It's a challenge for any team, and that's why they keep taking big scalps like this one. Great result for them. Thanks, Dan. We'll see if Eibar can stay up. It was a good result for them this weekend, but they weren't the only ones of the relegation threatened teams to have a good result. We've already heard about Real Mallorca's win and Alaves' win. Osasuna and Real Valladolid, meanwhile, they drew 0-0 this weekend, and I'm afraid the less said about that match between them, the better is. There weren't all that many chances in this one, but both those sides do pick up a useful point. Then we also had the win for Espanyol, who still remain bottom of the table, but only just. They went away to Villarreal, not an easy place to go, and they won 2-1. The man scoring the goal that turned out to be the winner was Raul de Thomas, their new January signing. This means that Espanyol's new coach Abelardo has earned a draw against Barcelona and a win against Villarreal in his first two La Liga matches in charge. Not bad at all. The only team in the bottom eight that did lose this weekend was Leganes. Ah, Leganes. They'd been going so strong under their new coach Javier Aguirre, but they were terrible on Friday night 
in their derby against Hitafi. In the biggest match of the season for the supporters, they were 3-0 down at half-time to their bitter rivals, and that remained the final score. I was there for this one, and that meant I got to see the Alan Neom show. Neom is the player making way. So imagine that it's some kind of physical problem. I don't know if he's injured, because otherwise... Well, it's either a physical problem or poor the last thinks that Neom is too... She wants to protect him. He's too wound up and he's already been booked and... It's not an option to understand that maybe it's too that he, with the yellow card, with all the pressure of Leganes supporters, he preferred to, to change that and submit it for a Tebo. What you heard there was a commentary as Hitafe's Alan Neom was subbed off in the 31st minute. The La Liga TV commentators thought it might be an injury and everyone else in the press box at the time thought the same, but it wasn't a physical issue. Neom was taken off because he was far too excited about this match. He played for Leganes last season, then left for their rivals Atafi in the summer and then let out all his anger in this game, scoring the second goal and celebrating in front of the Leganes fans and then also in front of the Hitafi fans. He was too pumped up and Jose Bardlas took him off, even admitting that this was the reason after the game. Moments after Neon went off, Hitafi scored their third goal and he ran back on the pitch in his puffy jacket to celebrate again. He had a lot of fun and he might as well as his side won 3-0 to leave Leganes in 19th place and on the same number of points as Espanyol with 14. Celta Vigo on 16 points remain the other team currently in the relegation zone. That brings us then to the end of our Match Day 20 recap. As always, I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and my thanks go out to all our contributors, to Roman de Arcaire, to David Whitworth, to Alex Fitzpatrick, to Paco Pollitt, and to Dan Parry. And of course, my thanks to you for listening. Until next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 